Welcome to the OKC First podcast. Together, we're learning to do three things. Friendship with God. Friendship with one another. And open friendship for the sake of the world. For more information about OKC First, please visit OKCFirst.com. Today's scripture comes from Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. I, therefore, the prisoner in the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all. This is the word of the Lord. Man, that sounded nice. (laughs) As you know, my friend uh, Jules Hamilton is not from here. He's actually, as you would guess, from Iowa. And so, uh, (laughs) Jules Hamilton is a friend. We've been friends for, man, we think we said 12 or 13 years. It's been a long time. Um, and met in, in Ireland, actually, and was doing some youth speaking, youth work speaking and training over there. And Jules is, um, pray for Jules, he, he works at uh, Dublin College, or no, yeah, Trinity College in Dublin, where he is the Methodist chaplain, and it is gorgeous. <laughs> and so he is subjected to that beautiful library all the time. And so um, we're sure, sure grateful that you're here, and and you actually helped me to tell this story of oneness and unity within the body. We, we've commented, we, we don't see one another every year. It's not annual. Uh, it's probably once every three or four years. We either somebody co- goes there or comes here. And, but every time, it's one of those friendships where it just sort of just picks up right where you left off. It's almost like you are finishing a sentence that you started two or three years ago. And there's a reason for that. We're of a piece. We're of a piece. And, and we're going to talk about that a little bit today, but I want to start, as I often do, uh, talking about that my, one of my very favorite websites is the You Had One Job uh, website. You know what I'm talking about? Have you ever seen these things? There is a, a website called You Had One Job, and they find incredibly dumb, stupid things that happen, and the caption is always going to be, you had one job. Like, so, so here is, you had one job, you had one job, this I like this one. Come on, cheese, you had one job. Um, these are my favorite, though. You had one job. Please do not park in the fry lane. Um, you had one job. Please slow drively through our neighborhood. And uh, this one should have been on the, this one, school's coming up, and uh, be careful if this is your school, be careful. This is a school-free drug zone. Uh, do not send your children to this particular 
school. You had one job. You had one job. I think we probably come closest to appreciating what it is that we are doing when we gather here when we understand ourselves to have but one job. Now, the book of Ephesians is, is one of those books that gives me an opportunity to say to you week after week uh, what that one job is, and, and let me give you a, um, a kind of a brief, brief understanding of, of what it is that we're doing. We are here, we are here, organized as we are in the light of the resurrection, to be the body of Christ. Now, that is easy to say, very hard to actually pull off and execute, but we are here to learn to be the body of Christ. We are here to be the body, the tangible, touchable body of Christ that does the things and says the things and chooses the things that Jesus does and says and chooses. I mean, that's what we're supposed to be doing. Have you ever wondered, if you've ever wondered why we typically try to, during this season of Pentecost, have different vocational groups come down and pray? Like today we're going to have realtors, so if you are in any, in, in any way involved in realty, and I'm looking straight at you if you are, because I want you to come down and let's pray for you, okay? The reason that we have people come down is because I want them to understand that while they may make a living in the field of real estate, it is crucially important that all of us, realtors included, understand ourselves first and foremost as having this one job, to be the body of Christ, and then we go to work and we do real estate. Because if you get those things turned around, if those things are backwards, then we're not doing this body of Christ thing correctly. What we do when we gather here is of huge, huge, huge importance. You could kind of hear it in the first chapter of Ephesians. And, and I said this to you, I made this uh, analogy. The book of Ephesians, written by Paul, we think, to churches like the church in Ephesus, was Paul saying right out loud, where everybody can hear it, listen, listen, there's a great flood of the presence of God that's going to come and flood the entire earth, and it's going to so flood the entire earth that it's going to re reorganize all of existence. And I showed you pictures of floods, and I showed you some that were kind of mild, then some that were super scary that reached all the way to the top of the Empire State Building or the Statue of Liberty. And I said to you, when floods get that big, nothing is untouched. It reorganizes everything. And that's what we Christians are just weird enough to believe, that God's faithfulness and God's presence is coming. It's going to be like that. It's going to reorganize everything. And I really hope that all God's people will say with me, that's okay, we'll take that. I said, yeah, I know, sometimes it seems pretty dry out there. It seems like the ground is cracking underneath your feet, and this week's another week, and I told you, I may have some sort of a mild seasonal uh, affect disorder. I just hate the long stretches of no rain. I hate when the ground cracks under your feet, and I know that it feels like that sometimes. It feels like where the presence of God is concerned that God is absent, so absent that the ground gets really dry and it cracks beneath your feet. But we Christians are the people who say, yeah, 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 but that flood is coming, you guys. And not only is that flood coming, it's raining somewhere right now. It's raining somewhere right now. In other words, we believe that what God has accomplished in and through the death and the resurrection of Christ has begun what we would call the final move of God's presence coming and flooding over all of the earth. 
It's already started, and so Zach said to us the next week when he came back from Toronto, yeah, and what happened as a result is that God created a whole new people group. That would be us, a whole new people group. Not Jew or Gentile anymore, but Christians. It's almost a different ethnicity altogether, and God has always seen fit to have a people to call God's own. You see that in the Old Testament, but we see it most specifically now when we are called, nothing short of, the body of Christ. By the way, it's never body of Jesus. It's the body of Christ, the Messiah, the resurrected Messiah, the resurrected Messiah. We are the people implementing, announcing and implementing the victory of the resurrection with all of its reorganization. We are those people right now. As a matter of fact, the temple, the temple in the Old Testament that used to mediate the presence of God to the world was replaced by Jesus. Jesus said it himself. I'm the temple, Jesus said. And now, you're gonna feel this like pressure a little bit, and that's okay, but now, it's not just Jesus that mediates the presence of God, it is the church. Oh, I got two amens out of that, I should've gotten more, I'll tell you that. It's 4400 Northwest Expressway. It is Oklahoma City, First Church of the Nazarene, that in very real ways, hear this, in very real ways, mediates the activity and the presence of God, points it out, points it out, participates in it, collaborates with it. We are those people who, even though we go to our jobs in real estate, even though we go to our jobs at the Capitol, even though we go to our jobs at the college, the universities, even though we go to teach, we are the people, no matter where we are, we are all the time, first and foremost, mediating the resurrected Christ to all who bother to watch. Man. Because God has in mind for us as a church, capital C, everywhere, all the way to Ireland, God has in mind, not just that we would be better behaved. That fits. Let's be better behaved. Amen? Okay, let's do that. But it's bigger than that. In fact, it's even bigger than what you're calling your eternal destiny or destination. Do I want you to go to heaven? Yes. I want you to go to heaven. I think your best chance of going to heaven is realizing that this life is not about you. It's about what God wants to do. The bigger and better thing that God wants to do in and through his body, the body of Christ. In fact, we come together every week to remind one another to participate in liturgies that shape us and rehearse us to be these kinds of people who understand that we are first and foremost people of this mission, people of a calling. And so everything we do here, and I'm gonna kinda go back to this, this will be a refrain for us today, I'm gonna come back to this several times. Everything we do in here is meant, yes, is meant to grow us as individual believers toward Christ-likeness. But for what purpose? So that God can move in and through us to redeem and restore all of creation. So everything we do when we get together is meant to shape us to liturgize us, this word liturgy, I love it. Technically it means, if you break it down into its parts, we all come to church every Sunday to work, to work, because it means the work of the people. We do work here, 
It's sort of like rehab. It's sort of like an exercise place. We do this work so that we can be better shaped and postured and rehearsed to live a particular kind of life out there. We gather here so that we can be the right kinds of people out there. Is everybody getting this? We don't gather here so that you can finally cleanse your conscience. If that happens, that's okay. I mean, clear consciences are not bad things, doctor. They're not bad things. We do not gather first and foremost for you to feel guilty and then not feel guilty. We gather so that we can be shaped to be the means whereby God remarries heaven and earth so that we can participate and partner with God as God seeks to flood perhaps a life, perhaps a household, perhaps a street, perhaps an apartment complex, perhaps a city, a state, a country, a world, so that God can flood it all with God's presence. Are you, are you telling me, John, that God can't do it without us? No, God's huge. God can do whatever God wants to do. But God seems throughout Scripture and even today to say, and I will do this with my people, went so far as to call us the body of Christ. And so we gather each week and we do something called the congregational greeting. Every single thing that we do is meant to rehearse you in a posture of mission. I hope that this is not the only time that you walk around and shake hands and say, it's good to see you. Christians are hospitable. Christians are kind and friendly people. Christians are people that other people can be safe around. Get that? And so if this is the only place where you extend a hand of friendship, you don't get it yet. Hopefully, we're rehearsing you in a way to go to work where you do real estate or where you do energy or where you do education. One of the things that we want to say is this. Christians are nice, kind, friendly, loving, people because we are living in the light of the resurrection and the resurrection tells us that love wins good and so we're about something really big bigger than just your personal redemption as important as that is but bigger than just your salvation as good and important as that is I want to tell you, and I want to tell your children and your children's children, yes, that they are saved, but I want to tell them what they're saved from, and I want to tell them what they're saved for, and what they're saved to. And so we say this, we read this a couple weeks ago, actually last week, now to him who by the power at work within us is able to accomplish abundantly far more than we can all ask or imagine because what God has in mind is, yes, better behavior from some of us and maybe all of us, but God has in mind worldwide creation-wide change and restoration. Are you in? Good, because it's more up to God than it is to us. We just need to show up. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus for all generations forever and ever. Then Paul says, okay, I'm writing this from prison, but I'm begging you, church in Oklahoma City, I'm begging you to lead a life worthy of the calling to which you've been called. It's a big thing. Are you leading a life worthy of the calling to which you've been called? It matters what happens when you get together. Listen, it matters whether or not you like one another here in this room. 
It matters that you are friends. Does anybody remember what we say every week that we're trying to do? Anybody remember? We're trying, we are learning to do these three things. Friendship with? Friendship with? And open friendship for the sake of the? Those all are indispensable. You can't have, you can't have uh, one without the other two. You can't have two without one. You can't have all three of them working together. You have to have all three, they're indispensable. How we come together matters. Listen, if you leave this place complaining about the people at your church that you cannot stand and you despise, by the way, why don't you come see me at church next week? Come with me to my church, you'll love it. I hate the people at my church. (laughs) Our bonds, our connections. Remember, this Jesus character doesn't just live inside of each of us, this Jesus character also lives between us. There is a character, there is a Christian character to our bonds, our connections, one with another one. And that's where there is such powerful testimony and how we work with one another, relate to one another, wrap our arms around one another, perhaps especially those with whom you deeply disagree. Do you think it's just happenstance that I say every time we have an important moment Every time we have a baby dedication, I work it into my weddings now. I'm trying to work it into everything here. It is inherent in the meal here. We are different people who come together, not to be uniform, but to be unified. Different, maybe desperately different. Maybe we vehemently disagree. And the more you disagree with the person sitting on the other row, you're probably not sitting on the pew with the person with whom you deeply disagree. They're probably sitting over there on the other side, you know, the West Siders. What do you do? (laughs) Yeah, a bunch of liberal East Siders over here. What do you do? Some of you are going, wait, I'm in the wrong section. (laughs) (laughs) But perhaps our greatest testimony is offered up to the public at large when Christians can deeply disagree about very important issues and still come to the same table, still lock arms and work together at VBS, still go to lunch together, still sing together. Maybe, just maybe, I'm guessing that if the the public out there doesn't see the church agreeing Christianly, they probably won't see it anywhere. So maybe one of the more underappreciated aspects of our testimony out there is the relationship that we have one with another one. We are contemplating a change. I need to work it through with the board. We're contemplating a change. We're contemplating a change to our schedule, and that's not dramatic or desperate. But we feel like, and and to be honest with you, Britt and Aaron Bullerjack have really helped me with this. We feel like we need a little bit more time during Sundays, to see one another, (laughs) to hug somebody else in the room, especially when somebody new walks in off the street. We feel like maybe we need more time to wrap our lives around other lives. We're working on it. We're we're working on the possibility of taking 10.30 to 10.45. Not sure at all what what it's gonna look like yet, but we are talking about the possibility now relax, we're not gonna ask you to come earlier or stay later. <laughs> Some of you are like, I've got reservations every week. We're not asking you to do that, but we are talking seriously about the possibility that 10.30, 10.45, perhaps we should be more intentional about 
bonding and being hospitable from 10.30, 10.45. Now, you got to get out of your Sunday school classes and get in here. You know who you are. But maybe that 10.30, 10.45, let's bless. Let's bless people being in here and finding somebody else to embrace. Maybe some really important work can be done when you sit down beside somebody, each of you with a cup of coffee, and you talk about those issues about which you deeply disagree. We're exploring it. Public service announcement. Our liturgies shape us and rehearse us. We have uh, a tradition around here. You have seen it today, where I thought we were going to have a, both a baptism and a baby dedication, but I'll, I'll kind of talk through what you would typically see in a, in a, in a baptism. In a baby dedication, you, you saw it. We, out loud, say that we're going to take responsibility. I do ask the family, I do ask the family, now will you be careful to be Christian in front of Jude? And they will. I know them well enough to know that they will. But then I turn and look at all of you, many of you, who do not yet know the Satterleys. Many of you who are not yet known by the Satterleys. And I ask you a very important question. Will you, I mean, this is what I've asked you, and you actually said yes, I'm going to hold you to it. Will you help raise Jude Henry Satterley? And you said yes. In other words, we are taking responsibility for one another. When we baptize, whether it's me or Jason or Mike or Lisa or whomever in the baptistry, we ask some very specific, some very specific questions. Have you turned your back on evil? Yes, good, good, good. Have you turned toward Christ? Do you understand Christ as your savior? And we know, especially when we are baptizing younger people, and again, I would submit any people, that you don't necessarily know what all you're getting into when you elect to be baptized. It's a big deal, it's a big commitment. And big commitments require other people outside of that commitment to help us live up to the promises of that commitment. All the time. And then we plunge that person into the water, signifying their identification with the death of Christ. And then we pull that person out of the water, identifying that person with the resurrection of Christ. And when we do, what do you guys do? That was super weak, podcast world. <laughs> podcast world, that was super weak. We even rehearse it. We kind of scream and holler like crazy people because we are celebrating the inclusion of another into this people, this people with a mission. Hopefully, every time we do that, it causes you to remember especially those of you who can remember your baptism, that you too are part of that people with a mission. And just to help you to remember that you are part of that people with a mission. By the way, that mission, which should be, I'm gonna get in some trouble here, but stay with me. That mission, which should be your highest priority. We even have a little bowl of water up here, and we invite you to come up and dip your fingers in there in the hopes that this tactile sort of stimulus reminds you of the moment 
that you are included in a very official way into this people that have a mission. John, you just said something you need to go back to. Okay, let's go back to that. I will remind us that I think love should be defined by the cross. I will remind us that every one of our relationships is in a better place if Christ is defining love for us and not us telling Christ what love should look like. Amen? Not bad. And so, I'm gonna get in trouble again. This is like a, a, this is like a sermon full of landmines for me, I love it. Um, and so now we need to talk about spiritual gifts. We do some things called uh, the strengths thing with Gallup and we do something else with the Enneagram, right? That is a, a way to understand oneself. It is, they, we actually ask you to take assessments and inventories and in the process of taking these assessments and inventories, hopefully you discover something about yourself that you didn't understand before and it helps us to see one another and hear one another. What you will not have here is uh, a treatment of, of, ooh, that shouldn't say Revelation, that should say Ephesians. What you should not have here is, what you will not have here is a, any kind of a program that lumps spiritual gifts into that category. Because here's what I don't want. I don't want you taking a spiritual gifts inventory, coming out of it saying, look, I don't have mercy at all. God doesn't want me to be merciful, whew. What a relief. I know you're on fire, but I don't have the gift of mercy. I can't really. No, 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 no. Remember the huge thing that we're asked to do at the end of chapter three. Now to him is able to do exceedingly more than we could ever ask or imagine. That exceedingly more is bigger than we are in order to pull off the exceedingly more, the bigger thing that we've been asked to pull off we will need the help of the Spirit. And the Spirit comes along and says, yes, I can help you to be what you would not have been otherwise and do what you could not have done otherwise, Shepherd David, remember? I can help you to do those things because these things all fit into the larger purpose that I'm pressing you into. Therefore it is said, when he ascended on high, he made captivity itself a captive. And so the image here is of a conquering hero who goes off to a far off country, conquers an army, leads them back into town behind him in shackles, and all of their stuff gets distributed to the hometown crew. Therefore it is said, when he ascended on high, he made captivity itself a captive. He gave gifts to his people. Verse 11, the gifts he gave were that some would be... <laughs> Some would be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, hear this, for building up the body of Christ until all of us come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to maturity to the measure of the full stature of Christ. Man. It seems like God, now via Paul, is serious about this body of Christ language. It seems like God, via Paul, is telling us, again, I have in mind that you will do, now this sounds like Christ in the book of John, I have in mind, says God, that you will do the kinds of things that you expect only for your Savior Messiah to do. 
And because I have in mind that you, the body of Christ, will do these incredible things that before you've only seen Jesus do, Jesus the Messiah, I am going to gift you that same spirit that filled the lungs of Christ so that you can be this strange group of people, odd in this world, who live according to the light of the resurrection. All the way around, I need to say this to you. Are you involved enough in your church? I knew it was gonna be a recruiting thing. It's always about giving or recruiting. I knew it was gonna be something like that. Yes, it's about giving and recruiting. <laughs> are you helping us to be the body? Are you making good use of this bit of the spirit, this gift of the spirit that you have that allows you to function in ways that perhaps you would not have been able to function otherwise, that when used effectively helps us to be most us? Are you helping? Do you mean you want us to volunteer? Yes, I want you to volunteer more. <laughs> I want you to help out. Here's something I've noticed. We have tried now for a little while to have um, geographically based community groups, and we have a couple that do okay. Here's, here's why it slows down. Nearly every time we will say to somebody, hey, do you want to be in a geographically sensitive community group or small group? Yes, yes, but I don't want to lead it. I want to be in it, but I don't want to facilitate it. Yes, I want to be in it. I don't want to be responsible for anything. <laughs> Help us be the body of Christ. Help us be the body that both announces and implements the change brought about by the resurrection. You don't have to do it all on your own strength. We have, on pretty good authority here, that God wants to help us succeed. It's a cliche, but it kind of fits here. I don't need you to be able so much as I need you to be available. Will you allow yourselves to be used for the building up of the body of Christ? I only got one amen there. I was hoping for more than that. Speaking the truth in love, we must grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ from whom the whole body joined and knit together by every ligament with which it is equipped, as each part is working properly, promotes the body's growth in building itself up in love. Now, some of you have had a hard experience here, and you're gonna say, yeah, I'm not sure you're getting quite there. I'm not sure you're actually pulling this off just yet. That's true. I remember the staff meeting. We had pretty well established that we need to be a people group that are about these three things, friendship with God, friendship with one another, open friendship for the sake of the world. But one of our volunteer staff members at the time spoke up and said, I don't feel that. I know I can get involved in friendship with God, but I don't feel like I have very many friends here. And by the way, she wasn't super involved in open friendship for the sake of the world. And so he said, you know what? That's truth, isn't it? Not everyone has the experience that I want them to have when they come here. Some do, and I'm grateful for you, and you tell me, and I appreciate that. But some of you don't, and you tell me that too, and I'm grateful for that too. And so we have said, we are a church that is learning to do these things. Have you noticed that? 
we're very careful now to say, and in fact, for a while there, we even had a graphic with that little carrot top statement in there, it looked like it was written in. I like that. Because I want us to always be the people who own our mistakes, who recognize that we are in process toward tomorrow. So we are a church that is learning to do these three things, friendship with God, friendship with one another, an open friendship for the sake of the world. I apologize right now if you have not felt that, if you've not felt like you've been uh, put into a small group where you could know and be fully known, if you don't feel like you've been pressed into service, we need to do a better job at all of that. But we are learning because we are not a museum. We're a hospital. We're a hospital. I love this from Martin Luther. This life, and I would say this church life, therefore, is not godliness, but the process of becoming godly. Not health, but getting well. Not being, but becoming. Not rest, but exercise. We are not now what we shall be, but we are on the way. The process is not yet finished, but it is actively going on. This is not the goal, but it is the right road. At present, <laughs> at present everything does not gleam and sparkle, but everything is being cleansed. Mm. I don't know, is that too long for a mission statement? <laughs> Can we print that on everything? By the way, that includes your pastor. And this will be my closing story. That includes your pastor. Those of you who know me know that I struggle with certain expressions of Christianity to the point of a very dangerous cynicism. <laughs> I am super grateful. Kelly and I have been asked to be involved in a couple of efforts that cause us to go to Washington, D.C. every once in a while. And super grateful to be a person that gets to go and advocate. And what I'm advocating for, just in case you wonder, I'm advocating for international funding. I have seen with my own eyes what good international aid does to Zambia. I've seen it do good things on the ground. And I, and I know, and I know, looking at the statistics, that we need to continue to fund these international projects. And, and because we have, we see some of these ugly statistics. Uh, they're starting, the, the graphs are starting to bend down. Did you know that we have halved, halved international poverty since 1990? Halved it. We've halved the infant mortality rate since 1990. We've halved the maternal mortality rate since 1990. HIV AIDS is no longer climbing in Africa, it's flat, that's amazing. If we keep up the funding, we can bend it down. It's incredible. And so I love having the opportunity to sit in front of some of our elected officials here and there and say, hey, can we agree at least that it's a good thing for people to not have AIDS? Can we agree that it's a good thing to uh, infant for to have the infant mortality rate can we agree on those things and i gotta tell you i've not found somebody up there and i've met with people in both parties i haven't found anybody that says no 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 we're for hiv <laughs> we're for infant mortality so i mean it's a great thing to be able to sit with people and say hey you know me that i'm a you know that i'm a pastor and they do they know i'm a pastor and they know i'm your pastor by the way you know what i'm here for and not yet has someone been inhospitable this last time that we went, I was grouped with people that um, I was grouped with people that I did not necessarily like or believe in, <laughs> because they had 
embodied in one way or another a Christianity that I found lacking and wanting. And so I was with an actress that was in a movie. I was with a, a popular um, Christian author. I was with a musician, used to be the lead singer of a band that we've all heard of. And I was with a guy by the name of Paul. And I, this is what I'm going to tell you about, who is the brother of Joel Osteen. Easy. <laughs> Joel Osteen and Victoria Osteen, pastor of the church in Houston, Texas, Lakewood Church. Their dad started that church. Paul went to med school, became a surgeon, a general surgeon, had a thriving practice. His brother took up the mantle and started pastoring the church. Paul started to recognize, and he's older than Joel, Paul started to recognize that his brother was taking shot after shot after shot, and Paul will admit some of those wounds were self-inflicted. But Paul said, I really felt like God was telling me, it's time to go help your brother lead that church. And so he left his practice and went to go help at Lakewood Church as long as the church understood that he would spend four to six months of the year traveling, volunteering his services, his services as a surgeon. When I met up with him a couple of weeks ago, he had just gotten back from Zambia, some of the same places where we have gone, just gotten back from Zambia. And you sort of choreograph these meetings, right? And here's how these meetings went. All the other people spoke first. Um, the author and the musician and the actress would all speak first. And then Paul, and then I was the closer because I was the one who was coming along to say, and this is the Christian thing to do. So I got to do that whole thing. It was hard to follow Paul because Paul wept through every presentation. And over a period of time, God said to me, your pastor, you really ought to read Ephesians 4 again. You really ought to explore the possibility that there can be some unity where you seem to be willing to choose disunity. John, I've never been about uniformity, God was saying to me, but unity is a good thing. And you keep saying that even within your church, it's good when people who deeply disagree find some sense of unity. John, I'm telling you, maybe you should explore unity with folks with whom you deeply disagree outside of this place. Because it turns out the church is larger than this place. It reaches all the way, I'm not kidding, to Dublin, Ireland. It reaches all the way to Houston and the Lakewood Church. I was blown away at what they're doing for their neighborhood. Blown away. It reaches all the way to Nashville, Tennessee, where it has felt like for a while that sometimes people sing their faith but don't actually live out their faith. Man, I, I got my comeuppance there too. all the way to the places in the country where I sometimes wonder if they're as Christian as I am. I think that's the wrong question to ask. I don't know if I wanted that, amen. <laughs> Though I deserved it. Maybe the better question to ask is, how might we link arms to bring about the kingdom? To be a part of the process whereby 
part of the process. God is doing more of it than we're doing. But at least be a part of the process whereby God remarries heaven and earth. I said this to you a couple weeks ago. Hear me say it again. We believe this flood of the presence of God is coming. We believe it's already raining somewhere. Here's the thing I've got to report to you. I think it's raining in Houston at Lakewood Church. Wasn't willing to admit that before. I think it is. Cynicism is its own reward. There's nothing more. Hope. 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 There are resources in hope that there will never be in cynicism. Would like for you to consider, possibly, at least, at least consider the possibility that God is working beyond the boundaries that you have set by how tightly you hold your opinions. And explore the possibility of unity where right now we are actively practicing a disunity. Maybe that's with other people here in the room. I'd like for you to explore the possibility of unity. Maybe with people in the room with whom you're right now practicing disunity. Now, not uniformity, but unity. And I'd like for us as a church to consider what more there might be for us out there as we participate with God, if we'll allow God to show us where our collaborators are and not tell God who we'll collaborate with. How's that sound? Our liturgies shape us and rehearse us. When we come here to the table, and if you're coming, go ahead and take your spot. When we come to this table, it's not because we're trying to be uniform. It's because we're trying to be unified. Heavenly Father, bless these elements and with them strengthen us to be your people. With these elements, God, strengthen us, strengthen our minds and our imaginations so that we might be able to see someone as a partner and a collaborator rather than a competitor. Strengthen our minds and our imaginations so that we can choose unity and love over disunity and distance. Heal us of a cynicism that short circuits the movement of your kingdom and replace it with a hope that finally will allow us to participate and something far bigger than we could ever ask or imagine. In a moment, I'm gonna ask you to stand to your feet, to exit your pews to the left, and to come forward. So you'll exit your pew to the left and come forward with your hands cupped because this is a grace that comes to each of us. Come forward with your hands cupped, and when you approach a person holding bread, that person will take a piece of bread, press it into your hands, and say, this is the body of Christ broken for you. This is what keeps us together, the body of Christ, the grace seen in this broken body of Christ. Don't eat the bread just yet, but take it and dip it into the cup. Zane right here will be holding a cup. When you dip it into that cup, Zane will say to you, and this is the blood of Christ shed for you. And then take and eat. 
And then if you would, church, find a place to pray. And if you would, pray for your church, that we would be all that God wants us to be as we try as best we can to live up to this moniker, the body of Christ. Can you believe it? Perhaps you want to go to one of these side padded altars. If you do, we will assume that you are there for a prayer for healing and someone will meet you there and pray that prayer for healing. Anoint you with oil, reminiscent of, representative of the sticky, clinging presence of God, healing presence of God in your life. If you come to one of these mourner's benches, these kneeling benches here at the front, we won't assume a thing, but we will at some point come and touch you, your back, your head, your neck, your shoulders, so that you know that you aren't alone. But do pray for your church. Small C, this church, capital C, the church, big church. You might also pray about how it is that you might get involved. Please don't be a passenger on this ship. Grab an oar. We need you. More importantly, God needs us. More importantly, God needs us. Who is welcome at this table? Well, I'm happy to report in that this is a moment of grace. Everyone is welcome at this table. No matter what you did this morning, <laughs> no matter what you dragged in here with you, if you understand your need for grace, then this is the right spot for you. You don't have to have it all figured out or fixed. Perhaps this is one of the ways that you get things figured out or fixed is by participating here. And if you want to make a special trip, then come and dip your fingers into this water and be reminded of the moment of your baptism. If you can't come to us, Jason and Katie will come to you. And if you are in the world of real estate, if you'll come to this altar, I really want us to make the point, and it's a great way to do it with folks who sell real estate. All the ground belongs to God. It all belongs to God. You are Christians who happen to be in real estate and not real estate agents who happen to be Christian. So if you would come here, and eventually Dr. Tashton will pray that prayer of commissioning over you. It was on the night that he was betrayed that our Savior took bread. He blessed it and he broke it and he gave it to his disciples saying, this is my body now broken for you. And every time you eat of it, remember me. Later on, he took the cup and he held it up before them and he said, and this is my blood shed for you, a new covenant. And every time you drink it, remember me. All across the sanctuary now, if you would, stand to your feet. Exit your pew to the left and come forward with your hands cupped. These are the gifts of God for the people of God.